0: Hey everyone, welcome to the special episode of The Green Life. Today's episode is all about perimenopause and menopause. I'm sharing all I know about it as I learned it through my own journey and referring to beautiful resources which will be at the end of the presentation. This recording is available in audio on all channels that have my, uh, my podcast as well as on YouTube where you can also see the presentation. In the show notes you will also be able to download the presentation I created. Okay. So without further ado, let's jump into this wonderful world of hormonal fluctuations as we go into perimenopause and menopause. Hi everyone, ladies. I hope you're having a great day. I'm really excited to be here today sharing this presentation with you as we are going to discuss peri and menopause. This is a subject that has become really close to my heart because of my experience and I'll share that with you soon. But I also feel like we're not talking about it enough. That is probably because we live in a very patriarchal society that has never really catered and nurtured the needs of women. Although historically, not the line that history has brought to us, but actually when you go back really in history and you look at different civilizations and tribes, you actually realize that women were very much the core of that society. The grandmothers were valued so much because their wisdom was of no other. Men were there to be strong and to be physical, but women were the ones actually leading the, the tribes and very much being in charge of how they would develop and survive. And it's funny how that has changed. And we went into the society that, puts women in a corner, cra- thinks we're crazy because our hormones are changing and they don't even talk about it. They don't want us to know about it. And then we went through a period actually where our hormonal changes were seen as a hysteria. And they thought that just by taking out our uterus, basically, they will fix it. It is sad to have seen that in history, very cruel as well. But now at least it is a movement that is bringing women back to their place, you know, their place of Um, empowerment and I say that not with a masculine power and control but rather with a feminine empowerment a feminine guidance which is what we need our world has been masculine for way too long and the masculine energy is very necessary we need to be actionable we need to take charge we need to be grounded but too much of that is destructive and we've seen the destruction this world has been through because it has lost the connection to the feminine beauty nurturing caring and growth so that energy is coming back and that's that's one of the reasons why a lot more people are now talking about perimenopause and menopause although we've clarified these these two terms into the presentation i'm just going to start saying there's a massive confusion here about these two some people think actually what happens in perimenopause is menopause and they think menopause is you know, the crazy fluctuations, basically, it, that, that's it. And then, you know, when you're done with your period, they call it peri- a post-menopause. I'm gonna clarify all that because I think it's really it's really confusing the, the terminology. So we're gonna stick to what medic- what it medically means, but I also share at the end of the presentation, some resources that I personally feel are really, really beneficial for our education. And as always, I work with empowerment and I, of women and sometimes men as well, because they should know this, but mostly women. And I really feel that by sharing education, I can make an impact. But ultimately, it's up to you to go out there and really learn the information. So we need to be the CEO of our own health. That is really important because if we are not and we don't know what we're talking about, we don't have questions. We don't make connections. Anybody can tell us anything, and we could be taking drugs, and we could be uh, avoiding certain things, and we could be following protocols that maybe don't work for us. So knowing your own body, and knowing the the literature, and knowing uh, medicine, and questioning, and working towards developing developing your understanding it's really the key to functioning into those changes that we go through as women. So before we start, I just wanna mention, I am not a medical doctor, but I'm a coach, I'm a nutritionist, and I really am passionate about health. And I've studied more years than I can count. But if you are under the care of a physician, or if you want to implement any changes after this presentation, please discuss this with your doctor. As I said, at the end of the presentation, there is a page of resources that I personally found really, really helpful for me in my journey so that you can check them out as well. And a lot of the resources are doctors. So doctors that are actually really focusing on these changes, especially when it comes to peri and menopause, and that I think you'll find them really, really good so that you can go and learn more about them and really find that feeling of understanding and empowerment. That word is really going to come up a lot today. So for now, I'm going to put myself in a hiding spot because I don't think you need to see me for the rest of the presentation. So um, a little bit about me before, I'm a board-certified holistic health coach, plant-based nutritional advisor, but also studying holistic nutrition now, which is kind of a blend between nutrition and naturopathic medicine. The doctor that is guiding me into this and that is founded the school, the Energetic Health Institute, is Dr. Henry Ely, and he's a naturopathic doctor. So a lot of the uh, the, the the kind of theories, uh, not even theories, but the the guidelines are very much based on naturopa- naturopathic naturopathic uh, medicine, which basically is integrative medicine. It takes into account everything in nature our food, our supplements, and our lifestyle. And I love that because we are really not one dimension, but we are multidimensional. And I won't even say 3D because actually we are more than that. We are way more 5D than we think. I mean, our spirit has got a lot of um, importance and power. In 2015, I left banking and I wanted to really pursue something I was passionate about um, after so many years in finance and While I was in finance, of course, I'm very grateful that I was because I could study, but I was never pursuing um, my calling. And I would say that although I've worked for the past, what now, uh, 15 to now uh, seven years, uh, in fact, I've worked a little longer because I actually started coaching in 2013. But I kind of almost 10 years into this practice I kind of know now that I had to learn a lot from, from experience and I think this is normal for every single um, industry, but I, I'm i happy that I did because at the beginning I was more of like a generalist and now I'm definitely more focused on women and really educating them about health. Uh, lately, I've also been told that I need to focus on, on kids and helping them understand health from an early age because... Um, there is definitely a wave of worrisome approaches to their health when it comes to ADHD um, or their intake of food, and so we have to. There's a lot of work to do there, but um, but women are, of course, something I can mostly relate to because I'm one, and I relate to the subject of menopause and perimenopause because of my experience. When I was younger, I'm going to go into the teenage years just before anorexia. I started taking the pill because my mother had told me that that would be a great way to clear my skin. I didn't have acne. I just had some breakouts. And they now, I know, were related to um, basically uh, intolerances. And so I basically did not really thrive um, because of... um, you know all these things that were happening like i was just uh, having these breakouts and i was eating the wrong thing then i became anorexic and actually my skin cleared up during that point and after that i started eat i started eating again and i was a little bit more balanced with my diet for a couple of years but i i went into my 20s binging when i started binging my skin was okay because of the pill but the moment i stopped the pill in 2023 I had acne. I had adult acne, and it was so bad that my my dermatologist put me on antibiotics for a, for a while. It worked for a week, and then it stopped. It messed up my gut even more. And I come from a background of having antibiotics as a child, so I spent a lot of time being constipated. And then I also uh, was in the end put back on the pill by my gynecologist. And on top of the pill, I was on androgen. Um, med- modulators, uh, a drug called Andro- Androcure, which basically, yeah, stopped the androgens from producing, from stimulating the sebaceous glands into our skin to produce more sebum. And although that was quite good in terms of, I mean, it was better than, a, uh, you know, a reactin, which can totally dry out your skin. It was still a heavy drug. And I had to take it in in conjunction with my pill. Now, I didn't have severe... A side effects from the pill, but I didn't have a good relationship with my body already, and on top of that, I had these severe hormonal fluctuations. However, that impacted the way that my body was working. So one day I could look really lean, and one day I was just w- retaining so much w- water that I looked like I put on five kilos, and it was so daunting and exhausting because everything was always up and up and down, and so. I felt that I just wanted to, um, you know, find a way out of feeling that way, but I just didn't know how. And I kind of, that became my normal. So at some point I just accepted that I had all these hormones that was up and down and, and it was just me. But at 30, something that added on to the stress was, I did my blood test and my cholesterol was too high. My blood sugar was too, was too high. And I was just baffled because I've eaten the way that I learned how to eat uh, through nutrition courses, which really was no grains. I was eating a lot of vegetables and I was eating only white meat because lean, it was leaner and fish, sometimes uh, eggs, but not too much. And um, I wasn't really having cheese because I didn't like it anyway. Um, And I basically, yeah, I was just having yogurt. that was probiotic rich. But then again, dairy didn't work for me. And I just wasn't healthy. So I took a couple of years to kind of work my head around it until I joined IIN and I found out that, um, well, I found out about diabetes from a different perspective because I was pre-diabetic, uh, but the doctor didn't actually use those terms exactly. At the time, they didn't really say that. They said that your sugar is too high, we have to lower it a little bit. But they... My A1C was too high, I think it was in pre-di- pre-diabetic range. And I had to basically lower it down, not sh- like I had to lower it down somehow. And I learned from Dr. Barnard that um, diabetes is mostly related to di- dietary fats, not so much uh, out of, um, not not because of, um, of sugar. Sugar was kind of the side effect of it. So I reconsidered my diet and I went plant-based that did magic not just for the sugar but also for the cholesterol and i I was just sure that was the right thing but one thing that also happened is that i became a lot kinder to myself and i kind of had a very different relationship with the universe around me with the the plants and with the animals and then the animal love actually came up even more when i stopped eating them because i realized what i was doing and i can tell you that i did not realize that and i know it sounds stupid but the only time i made that connection in my mind Was when I had a turkey three months after I had actually gone plant based, but I made an exception then because I didn't want to upset my at the time boyfriend mom. And I just thought I'll have a little bit of a turkey at dinner because I I really like the smoky flavor uh, she admitted the year before. Well, let's just say that for the first time in my whole entire life, as I put that bite in my mouth, I tasted flesh. I knew I was eating a living being that had died to be on my plate and that changed everything for me. It, it killed, me. it killed me inside. It really did because I never really thought about it. So when I, I changed that and everything really magically went back to what went to perfect. Like I, my health was great. I was feeling amazing. But of course in life, there is not such a thing as a stagnation, not even when you're feeling great. So fast forward to 2016 I started gaining a little bit of weight but that was mostly due to the fact that I was going through some stress but also was really overindulging in a lot of new vegan treats that were coming out my husband and I or my boyfriend and I at the time but my husband now used to love having these treats from Planet Organic we lived in London so we really enjoyed kind of tasting all these different things and it didn't really serve me very well but what threw me into a deep end with my health was really in 2019 when we actually finally moved to Portugal after over a year of trying to manage this project of recuperating an old farmhouse and doing so much work with the idea of having a retreat here before the pandemic happened. So I had a very stressful time and on top of breaking my arm, moving here, my mother joined us for three months. And let's just say that wasn't very healthy my brother had been with us for almost a year and that also wasn't healthy because we were a unit a couple that was working very well together and somehow all of a sudden we got these very external influences and that really stressed me out but to an extent that I I really my hormones went so off that I didn't even know how off they were I kept on saying my hormones are out of balance my hormones are out of balance I feel exhausted and I was I was exhausted I was waking up tired. I was waking up with very, very little tolerance to any stress. I could be fine one moment and then a little trigger would come and I would just blow up. And it felt exhausting because I knew, I felt and I knew nobody really understood me. And I basically now know I entered uh, through stress, an early phase of, of a perimenopause. But at the same time, Uh, I didn't understand what was going on. And a lot of things were starting to happen in my body as well. I was changing physically as well. And, of course, again, my nutrition wasn't top like at the beginning when I went plant-based. It wasn't solely whole whole foods. It was some processed food, maybe too much fat. And I started gaining weight around my belly. My legs looked like pillars. I, I basically had no shape other than these pillars full of water. And it was just disheartening. I had pain in my liver and in my... In my gallbladder, I can tell you the pain. I knew exactly where it came from. Every single day, I just had that pain. And I was feeling exhausted. And my adrenal glands were out of whack. I basically was not functioning. And I wasn't sleeping at night. I was having nightmares. I was having restless nights. I was having sweats. But I didn't understand what that was. I didn't actually understand that it was perimenopause. Neither did I understand. Neither did I know about perimenopause. So... I was thrown into that. Now, of course, my old, good old friend, high glucose sugar came back and said, hello, I'm here, let's give you some type two diabetes. And I basically, I was totally out of it, totally out of it. And um, I basically, a year later in 2020, I at the end of 2020, I just knew that I could not carry on that way. I just couldn't carry on that way. Now, there were a lot of stress factors that were out of my control. There were people living with us that I I was just I knew in my heart I was done living with because I just didn't feel like myself anymore. I didn't have a moment to myself. I didn't feel like I had a moment with my husband. I I was just feeling overwhelmed. And um, only when they left, I really realized the impact of that, I must say. And I'm not blaming them, but I'm just saying I was not. I just know myself, and I'm a kind of person that needs that quiet, and I wasn't getting it. And also that, unfortunately, when it comes to family, and this will be in the, in the next podcast episode for my for myself, that it's really tricky because we don't always or ever appreciate um, our needs, and we often take our take each other for granted, but also we push each other's button. And there is so much baggage in family. So for me, that was it. Um, So I just took control of my health again. And that really came in tandem in 2021 with um, having an operation in my mouth, taking out a a root canal that was not serving me anymore. And that was actually hindering my digestive system as well. So in preparation of that, because I had no intention of taking antibiotics or painkillers, I really went on a cleanse and, um, and I started eating mostly raw, uh, until four. Uh, when I had the operation, I was mostly on liquids because I couldn't actually bite anything. So I saw my health change. I lost weight. I felt better. But of course, by December, my A1C was still quite high in 2021. And I had to really work on that. And on top of my A1C being high, I also had high homocysteine. So I had to really lower it because that increases your, um, your probability of having heart uh, or cardiovascular events. So I took six months where I was really dedicated to this, and I actually followed a a protocol by mastering diabetes, which I've also inserted in the resources at the end. Why do I mention that? One thing that will come up into this presentation is that perimenopause and menopause are very much linked to uh, in, um, insulin resistance. So... We have to really be aware of that because as we get older, we get more insulin resistance and there are things we can do. Now, I know a lot of doctors that talk about um, menopause menopause, and perimenopause would mention that uh, you have to have high protein, fats, and very little carbs. And to a certain extent, that is correct, but it necess- doesn't necessarily mean um what they mean which is animal products and i will explain that and i will also this is why i actually inserted mastering diabetes as a resource because they focused on insulin resistance and that insulin resistance encompasses all type of diabetes whether it's type 2 type uh, type 1.5 type 1 and so on so it's really interesting to say that and pre-diabetes of course so my idea of this is striving through this transition, right? Perimenopause is a period of changes. Our cycle, the cycle kind of, um, the cycle and these changes happen gradually through a few years. And so it can, it can also go very quickly, but generally speaking, it goes very, very slowly. But that means also that we have to deal with a lot of different symptoms for a long time towards that time we get to menopause. A lot can happen in this time. Generally, society, as, as I said at the beginning, created this negative feelings around peri- and menopause, sometimes, and most times actually not understanding perimenopause. And so it's very stressful for us women because we don't like we do not feel ourselves. We just feel very different. I think that is really important to understand that it doesn't need to be that way and that we are still in control that this is a really an opportunity to do inner work, fight and face that dark matter of the soul and take it as an opportunity to grow and change. We can make better choices for our self-care so that we can see results. This includes bringing, putting ourselves first. That's really, really key because I feel like the problem with us women as well, because we're carers, we are always putting everybody else in front of our needs. Now, I'm not saying we have to become egotistical. I'm just saying if our cup is empty, we can't pour out to give it to anybody else. So we have to make sure that we look after our cup that is full so we can share with others. We make better choices for self-care, as I said now, taking the time to understand our bodies and see that it's a gift. This change, these changes are a gift. Uh, it's a gift for me, was okay. My health is not great. I need to prioritize me. I also have to make sure that I understand that I'm going through these changes. The way I eat now cannot be the same as I ate 10 years ago. It just can't. I have to be wiser about that. I'm also going to, we are also able to channel more energy into a new phase. Now, of course, as we go through perimonopause, and as I'll share it in a minute, because we still have our cycle, Energy is still going throughout that. Our reproductive system is still working. So, but when you get into menopause, the beauty is that that reproductive energy can go into a creational energy of another species, meaning um, we can focus on the creation of a love project, of something that we've been always passionate about, but we never had dared to do it, a new career, whatever it is. You have more energy to put into that. It could also be that now, finally, in your current career, you can actually really take the next step. I mean, your kids are gone, they're older, you are not having your period anymore, and you can go full swing into what you're passionate about. I think this is what we don't talk enough about, right? That positive side. We can take this opportunity to educate and change misconceptions we should be able to talk about menopause perimenopause with other women with men in spaces that are public because it is it really is a public service like if men understood us they probably would not think we're crazy they would be most supportive not all of them most of them and then we would also be able to have this um You know camaraderie with other women, where we're really coming together, and we we can talk about these things, and we can share notes, and we can develop this conversation and be educated about it. We can now we can pair our experiences with wisdom, and so I think those are perfect matches that are really underrated because by pairing those two, we can really create this amazing next step into you know the next phase of our life. So. I think it's amazing. So what is perimenopause? I'm going to read through the bullet point points and a lot, like develop a little bit more as I go. Perimenopause is a natural phase of our lives as women. It's really important to understand because it will happen to everybody. Unless early menopause is induced by surgery or disease, so in that case you you're going to skip this but generally speaking every woman will go through this phase. So it's really important to get to know it because we're going to have to face it. It is the time peri means about and around menopause. So it's before menopause comes. And it can really basically menopause and I'll I'll mention this in menopause is the period is the time you have lost your period for 12 months consecutively. And you're now in menopause. The perimenopause is basically the time around that time. So it can be it can go from four years to ten years. Some people have twelve years of this. So it's really a long time. It can start in your mid to late thirties and last until fifty one, which is the average age where people go into menopause. Now a lot of people are seeing going into menopause later. So 55 or so, there are also people that go into menopause in the late fifties, but that's generally speaking, 51 is the round age. So it is a time of transition. And a lot of people, as I said at the beginning would mistake perimenopause for menopause because menopause was always used as the the term that um, was that phase when your hormones are going all over the place and you feel all these different things. But in fact, menopause is when all of that is kind of coming to an end where you didn't have your period for 12 months, you are entering menopause, things will start to settle down. Perimenopause is this up and down. And during perimenopause, our ovaries are starting to decline in their functions to make enough hormones to ovulate and conceive, but they still do, so we can still get pregnant. Maybe not as we would have done when we were younger, but we can still get pregnant. Our periods can come regularly, but sometimes can also change by becoming more irregular, heavier with pain and that really depends on each person's health now i want to say here that um i've seen my some clients who whose period has finished so they did five days finished period and then after two days the period came back that is also a sign of perimenopause so the hormones are basically fluctuating so much that there is not a a transition between your your menstrual phase to the next one so The period can become, uh, yeah, you can still fall pregnant, as I said. And perimenopause has two phases, the early phase and the late phase. The early phase uh, is, as I said before, it can start in your mid to to, uh, late 30s. And the late phase, generally speaking, is from 44 years old upwards towards menopause. Some women don't actually have any issues with, with perimenopause. They don't have any symptoms. They don't have anything but others can have severe symptoms those are due to the up and down of estrogen Uh, and i'm going to also say progesterone is also involved here and that is why it's harder to get uh, pregnant because progesterone will be lower but the ones that are causing a lot of issues for the most part is estrogen and i've actually um, outlined the issues that you can have pardon me, the issues that you can have when these hormones are fluctuating. So I'll clear out just later. Now, some of the symptoms we can face is hot flashes, very famous ones, brain fog, nice sweats, mood swings, heavy bleeding, vaginal dryness. So painful sex, poor digestion, sleep issues, depression, thinning hair. We can have a whole array of symptoms, joints that are painful. We can start seeing a decrease in our bone density. So, those are normally symptoms that before were associated with menopause, but actually those generally come generally come to the tail end of perimenopause. So understanding all this, why is it helpful? Because we can start identifying the problems, understanding where we are at, and then kind of making the right steps to 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 help. So what is menopause then? As I said at the beginning, menopause is when you had complete absence of your period for at least 12 months, you're now in menopause. That is the only sure factor. There is no test to say that you are in menopause. That's the only sure thing, basically saying that you are in menopause. A lot of doctors can can check for FSH, which is follicular, follicular stimulating hormones, which go up when you are into menopause or at the tail end of perimenopause. Um, but it's not very reliable because again, it can also be up while you're going to perimenopause. So the real thing that can tell us where into menopause is that we haven't had a period for a a year. This can happen through uh, around a 51, as I said before, but it can go up to mid mid fifties to, uh, late fifties. And it can also start as early as mid forties or early forties. So. Mostly mid-40s, but as early 40s, really, it depends on, on the person. So everything that I'm saying here really depends on each person. Everything is very, very personal. And that's important to understand because I think if we want to just a hard rule for everything and we forget how bio-individual we are, there will be discrepancies all the time, as they are already, right? Now, nobody can really say when each person will be in menopause. Sometimes we can look at our mother's age and then kind of calculate that that's the age we're going to go into menopause as well. So, for me, for example, my mom, I think, went into menopause in her late 50s. So, it's probable that I will go there too. And I want to say, I am going, I hope that that's the case. And I hope that with the knowledge that I have now, my transition will be so much easier. And um, one thing that I will mention is my. I mentioned I was into this uh, up and down of hormones, and I really felt like, oh my god, I'm just going to go into early menopause because I'm so stressed. Everything was up and ups and down, up and down. But I actually reversed all the symptoms, and I'm feeling great. My my period is pretty regular. Sometimes a little bit longer by two days, sometimes a little bit shorter by one day, but overall quite consistent and quite okay. Um, I don't have many other side effects. I actually even, I'm the best shape of my life even. Uh, So I I found what works for me and I'll share that with you. Then things that, um, so, you know, you can kind of think, okay, I'll go into menopause when my mom went, but that's not even, that's not 100%. It's not science. You'll know when you'll know, really. Um, In menopause, things start to cool down. So the symptoms that you were experiencing in the last part of perimenopause kind of start dissipating. But of course, there is a, there's a period in menopause that you can still experience some of them. And uh, that's really something to understand because you want to still look after yourself in a certain way. Um, we stay menopause for the rest of our lives. So sometimes people call that part post-menopause, but that's kind of a redundant term because It means the same thing as menopause. Um, So, because people obviously they'll say that, think that perimenopause is menopause. (laughs) So, this is the confusion. Menopause is an opportunity, guys. It really is. I say that with conviction because the moment we start, we stop bleeding, we stop ovulating, that energy can really flow somewhere else. And then I would also say that although we are in menopause, we still are making some hormones. So if we are now educating ourselves about our cycle, and I didn't put this here, but in the show notes, I will put the um, I will put a link to an episode that I did with Adele Smith about our cycle, because understanding the different phases of the cycle, which of course will change through uh, menopause, because you're not going to be bleeding anymore. But if you know how you're feeling, then you can kind of look at that and, and get an idea. We look after ourselves in a different way in the in different cycles, in different phases. And I think if you understand how you feel and what you need, like if you're tired, nurture yourself in a different way, change your food around. It could really be helpful. Uh because we're still into that phase. I really, I really believe until the day we die, we're still connected to the moon. We go into that lunar phase, and uh we still have nature in us, we still have the seasons, we're connecting to them. So Knowing these things is never going to hurt you. It's going to really help you. And everybody can do it differently because we're all unique. But it's nice to know that those things are available. So I'll link that show uh, down in the show notes. Then menopause, as I said before, can come earlier. Um, As early as the 20s, if you have some disease or uh, to have surgery, like you had to remove your ovaries, your uterus. um, And... um, and it can be chemically induced for, from some drugs. So people that are, are, have cancer, women who have cancer and, are, and doing chemotherapy, chemotherapy can, well, will definitely stop your period, but can throw you into early menopause. And chronic stress has also been found to accelerate that. And I'm a testament of that because I really felt that I was coming to the end of my, my years. And I cannot tell you when I started getting healthier the and the period come being more normalized again i was so grateful for it every month i'm happy to see it i never thought i'd say that (laughs) your health dictates your experience with menopause too so if you're in good health your experience with it will be very different now one thing that happens as i said in many peripenopause and menopause is that we become insulin resistant a lot easier so the way we eat is super important and if we are insulin resistant we can have an array of health issues and we want to really avoid them because not only will they accelerate the symptoms of these phases of our life, but also we then have to deal with heart heart disease and other things that we really should be avoiding. So under, let's understand the hormones a little bit. So I'm going to give you a very quick overview over what happens when you have estrogen deficiency. So low estrogen or excess high estrogen. So a lot, if you have estrogen deficiency, you're going to start having hot flashes, night sweat, vaginal dryness, mood swings, mental fuzziness, headaches and migraines, vaginal and bladder infections become more, um, more prominent, incontinence can start happening, vaginal wall thinning, decreased sexual response so you don't feel like having sex. And if you have too much estrogen, you're going to start having bilateral Pounding headaches, Who wants that nobody. Recurrent vaginal yeast infection, breast swelling and tenderness, depression, nausea, vomiting, bloating, leg cramps, yellow ting, ting skin, uh, like you know, um, like if if you had um, jaundice, and uh, excessive vaginal ble- bleeding, bleeding into metropen- into perimenopause, so your heavy period. So this is how you can see the different kind of symptoms that are associated with either low or high estrogen. What about the progesterone? So progesterone, you can have premenstrual migraines if it's too high, PMS-like symptoms, irregular and excessive heavy periods, anxiety and nervousness, but you can see some of them can also be estrogen. So of course we have to be mindful, but Progesterone has got a lot to do with the more calming, relaxing side and an an ability to do it. If you have too much progesterone, if you're sleepy, drowsy, could also lead to depression. What about testosterone? Believe it or not, testosterone is really important for women as well. I know we also always associate testosterone to men, but super important here so if you have low testosterone you're going to have decreased libido just like uh, we saw into estrogen you're going to have impaired sexual functions decreased overall energy um, like you saw also in, in um, with the progesterone uh, like a decreased sense of well-being so you just don't feel overall, overall well pubic hair will be thinning uh, not because you're doing laser, but because they're just thinning um, moods, disturbances if you have too much of it, acne, particularly in the face and scalp, increased face hair growth and deepened voice. Now I'm going to say, um, I started having some breakouts in my head um, as well when I was having my hormone imbalances. And um, I mean, for me, it was everything. It was Estrogen was too high, uh, progesterone was very, very low, testosterone, testosterone a bit high. So I started having a bit of breakouts like all over my head under my hair. It was very very annoying. Um, and started having a little bit of breakouts on my chin, and not just at the when I was getting my period. Um, increased face hair growth. I'll tell you, <laughs> it does happen. So <laughs> it's really annoying, but um, we have we have to deal with it. Even if even, I think it's the problem is that even if you have just a little bit like a, a lower estrogen then higher testosterone not necessarily high testosterone it can happen and it's super annoying so um thank god for beauty tricks uh i didn't put uh cortisol in here but cortisol is also important because if your t- cortisol is too low you'll be very tired in the morning and um if it's not out of balance i should say if it's not in balance in the morning you'll be really tired so very, very very hard to get out of bed and at night, mental chatter. So you just can't go to sleep. Uh, that's when cortisol is inverted. So cortisol is important to get us out of bed in the morning, which is why our blood sugar will go up in the morning when we, when we wake up so that we can get out of bed. Um, and at night, everything is supposed to settle. Now, tests that can assist. Now, there's not, as I said, there's not one test that can do it all or can be precise. But don't guess if you can know certain things. So one test that is really great to do is the Dutch hormone test, which is a dry urine test. Basically you pee on a strip for one day and then you send it back to the lab and um, they tell you your different hormones uh, throughout the day, different stages. So you can see how they go up and down. And this is actually a good one also for seeing if your cortisol is too high in the the night and too low in the morning or vice versa, or if it's in a normal, you know, normal range, so very good to do that. Thyroid hormones, very, very important. So I would say our thyroid is something that is key when we want to talk about health um, and never take it for granted. So that, that you know, controls so much of us, controls our mood and metabolism. So check it out. A1C fasting glu- and, and fasting glucose. Your A1C will pr- basically tell you your three months, it's a three months uh, average blood glucose and your fasting glucose is what you have in the morning before you eat anything um and it can tell you if um if you know if, uh, if it's too high or too low uh full blood count is really important to do as well you want to see if your iron is enough if you have enough b vitamins i and i put that in a different section like I, I put full blood count so that would be your red cells white cells and then i put vitamins um and mineral testing because not a lot of some 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 practices don't check for those and you have to ask them specifically but full blood count should always include white and red blood cells cholesterol uh, and glucose always 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 and then on top you can add stuff but do check your vitamins and minerals because that's really important especially as we get older we want to know if we are lacking anything that maybe is affecting our bone density so don't be shy to ask your doctor. If you are in a country where um, your your health is subsidized, you might have to push a little bit because you know, of course, then you're not paying, um, but at the same time, you're paying your taxes. And I think it's really important that you know how it was what you are with your health. If you have enough nutrients, because if you don't, you can supplement, you can look after yourself, and you can actually prevent more expensive. Um, you know, side effects and and diseases that would take a lot more from, from uh, the government than just testing these things. So they have to just, doctors have to just think about that. Um, I would do heavy metal tests because uh, we don't even know sometimes that we have heavy metals in our body. A good and reliable test is to check your hair follicles. Um, so some they will take your hair and test it for heavy metals you normally would see in there um, things like mercury and aluminum so do stuff like that (laughs) Um, bone density test I think is very important especially er from from your early 40s because if you see that there's a decrease in your bone density then you can do something about it and we'll talk about the things you can do Cortisol level again. You can do it through the Dutch uh, test, but if you haven't done that one, then uh, and you do a full panel of hormone level, hormone tests, uh, you can check your estrogen and progesterone, and testosterone. Uh, make sure that you also uh, test your cortisol and liver enzymes. Why do I say that? Our liver, your liver should. This should normally your liver functions are tested in your full blood count, but just in case, check those enzymes because. Our liver functions can help us detox. No, can they help us? The, the, the liver helps us detoxify from excess hormones, such as estrogen. So, if, especially if you are estrogen dominant, make sure that you have the, your liver is functioning properly. Basically, now this does not include tests that might be required if you have a specific ailment. So, of course, you want to have um, other tests on top of this if you have. Uh, other diseases you are dealing with. Okay, let's talk about diet. Managing insulin resistance is key, meaning we don't want our blood glucose to go up and down, up and down, up and down and have our pancreas push more and more and more insulin in our body and then the glucose is still not going into the cells. So I'm going to just give a little um, preface here that... um, And actually, one good resource that I put at the the end is Doctor. No, Doctor is um, a registered dietitian, Brenda Davis. She Davis. She wrote some amazing books about diabetes, and I really think she's the most eloquent about this, together with the mastering diabetes guys. But um, really interesting research about it, and she worked in. um, She. I have an episode with her coming out soon, but um, she worked. Uh, with communities that were afflicted by by disease such as uh, type the, type two diabetes in the Marshall Islands uh, by changing their native diet into more Western diets. And of course that always happens. So she was there uh, with a the program to reverse it. And I think she has really written extensively about it. And I think she's very sensible in the way that she approaches nutrition. Um, and dietitians are extremely educated uh, more than nutritionist i will put my hands up and say that so openly because it's uh it's a very different ball game um i don't know why they just we don't study the same things in the, in the same way but dietitians are they go a little bit deeper let's just say into the biochemistry okay so normally what your insulin basically has a job it's a hormone that will, come, uh, that will be secreted by your pancreas into the bloodstream to take glucose into the cells for energy production. But if the cell, especially um, muscle cell, have too much fat, so an increased amount of fat and a lower amount of um, mitochondria, then the sugar cannot enter into the cell. So the sugar just stays into your blood and this is why we have high blood glucose. And that can cause a lot of issues, you know, it thickens the blood and the, the it, it just stays there and we don't know what to do, but the body tries and manages as much as it can. So it would store it somewhere, but this can result in fatty liver, overweight. So fat deposits on our body, especially on our belly. I mean, it can create so much havoc in the body because the body wants to be healthy. It will try anything to survive. So think about that. A, ideally, we want to make sure that when we're eating, we have a, the ability to bring sugar into the cells. So a whole food plant-based diet has been shown by research to be an amazing diet that can not only promote health, manage insulin, but also promote uh, longevity. And needs to be done properly though. And this is where I think the, uh, if you have insulin resistance at any degree, even if you don't have pre-diabetes or diabetes, just if you're not in the sweet spot. So if your fasting glucose is over 80, for example, or 85, I would say, check it out. Um, maybe not even 85, 90, but check it out. I mean, depends on the person if you are really active and so on, but um, yeah, anything after 90 for me, it's, uh, it should be checked. Uh, below, it's great. Obviously um, 70 is perfect. Like you don't want to go too much below that. Um, so uh, knowing your fasting glucose is important so have a glucose reader at home can be a really good kit but anyway a plant-based diet that is mostly carbohydrates so lots of vegetables and fruit and fruits are not the enemy when it comes to sugar trust me then and low fat but not fats that maybe you know like first of all you're not getting any saturated fats if you're having whole food plant based because you are eating mostly plants and plants don't have saturated fats. So you're already eliminating the saturated fats. But if you are eating animal products and you are eating animal products with the consciousness that, you know, what you're doing and why, and you are getting the best quality ever, which means you know the farmer or the farm that this animal comes from, it had a good life, no, um, you know, no medication such as, uh, antibiotics or hormones to grow faster, all that stuff that is given to sadly car for Um then you are not going to have that every day because it's super expensive and not as available. And then maybe you can still deal with, like you can, you can do really well with it. And when you have saturated fats from animals, you would have them with vegetables, but not with starches, even starchy vegetables are not a good idea. So uh, have them with green vegetables because, uh, the body is always going to prioritize metabolizing the, the the glucose so anything that comes in terms of fat will be stored if you're not using it so um you know those are very high considerations especially if you're trying to lose weight so uh you can listen to a podcast episode that i did with dr clapper about this that explains he explains this so well but again you can check out all the resources that i have in here that explain this so much better if i start explaining all that we'll never finish the presentation this is just an introduction but i really feel like if you look at these resources it will make sense to you as it did to me for meat work this is what, exactly what i did i decreased my fat intake i cut out all processed fats and that included oils including olive oil which i was born in an italian family so italian Love olive oil. If you don't have olive oil and you tell them, you know, if I told my grandmother I wasn't going to have olive oil anymore, I probably would have had the holy water and exorcist at my door. But the truth is that it just didn't serve me. I wasn't feeling great with it. And I only knew and noticed when I stopped eating all these things and I felt amazing. So, how do I get my fats? Well, because fats are important and we're talking about here good fats, avocados, olives, nuts, and seeds, very limited amounts now i just don't feel like i need much more than that i love tahini i use tahini in my salad dressings um but i'm very conscious about it I eat the, and because i love to eat i love to eat carbohydrates from vegetables and fruit because i can eat so much and i don't gain weight and this is the first time in my life i can see i can say that high fiber and yes i'm so happy to have high fiber because it has changed everything even if you start looking at what your poop looks like, trust me, if you eat good fiber amounts, you are going to have better poop. So poop is important. Detoxifying. Antioxidant packed. So if you're eating veggies and fruit, great. Organic is important. You don't want to be putting pesticides and endro- 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 endocrine, endocrine disruptors. I can't, I don't know why I couldn't say that word. Endocrine disruptors into your body and pesticides are just that they they mess up your endocrine system and you basically start having hormonal issues and this is also when it comes to to the meat and the fish that you choose to eat this is why i said if you are anyway choosing to eat some animal products you're not going to have them every day which is good because you if you are choosing to have any you're going to have to really look for the best quality that didn't have anything that can disrupt your hormones or that have hormones in them so Avoiding other endocrine disrupt disruptors such as heavy metals. So that's why you want to test uh, plastics. Uh, so even the plastic in, the, like a plastic bottle. Even if you are not the kind of person that reuses plastic bottles, quite frankly, we don't even know if a plastic bottle is transported from the warehouse to the shop before it's put in the fridge. If it's been exposed to heat and light, and then. All this BPA and stuff goes into the bottle. I learned this year also that bPA free plastics plastic bottles still sip um, and leach um, um, plastic into the into the bottle so that means that you can still get plastics into your bloodstream so it's really hard to avoid but I have basically changed my bottle from hard plastic that was bPA free I changed from that to copper and glass and yeah, I had to do it because I'm um, my inter- integrative doctor checked and I had some plastics in my my blood, which is not great. Uh, fruit is not the enemy, so please don't start freaking out. It can become a problem if you're having it with fats, and that's what I said earlier: you high sugar with sugar with fats is a uh, it's not a very good combo. Having good proteins are really important, so you want to have your beans, nuts and seeds in moderation. Uh, tofu, soy is not the enemy either. So it's been found really to be helpful for this transition between, you know, no menop- menopause to perimenopause into menopause. So have it. Eliminate, not reduce, eliminate alcohol and simple sugar. I'm going to be really strict about this one because, and I know a lot of people are like, but a little bit in moderation. To quite honestly, I've never seen anybody do a little bit of moderation and fixing any hormonal issues or any disease for that matter. Most of, most of all, because moderation is very, very different from one person to another. And so it's very, very hard to monitor. And when we say moderation, a lot of people are not moderate at all. So we have to be careful about that. Uh, avoid extra hormones. Uh, here, I can mention even dairy. So a dairy has growth hormones, IGF-1 in it, because the cow, who's a mom, made the milk when she was pregnant for her baby. And her baby needs to go from little, being a little calf to a cow as well. Do we really want that? If we're not growing tall, we're growing wide. And on top of it, we're also growing, our cells are growing, and we don't want extra growth into our body because IGF-1 is very much linked to things like cancer because of the overstimulation of, um, of cellular reproduction. Mitosis has a rhythm. If, if we go with these IGF-1s in there, we are stimulating this reproduction, it's not a good thing. So when it comes to diet, just make sure that your diet is really an abundance of fruit and vegetables, mostly cruciferous vegetables are really important, good quality uh, protein, so have your beans, have your tofu, have your peas, have your um, I don't know, any other tofu products like uh, um tempe. Uh, I mean, I love guys. I like chick. I love chickpeas. I can have chickpeas as hummus. I can have chickpeas as chickpeas. I can have chickpeas that are in the air fryer, so they're crispy. I can have chickpeas in every in any way possible. My second favorite is lentils. I love 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 lentils i can have them in salad i can have them in soup they're the best thing ever and then beans like red or black beans are my favorite the rest of the beans i kind of white beans are like but i kind of navigate to try as much as i can to have different ones of them because they all have great uh, nutritional profiles but the key ones for me are those and i have them a lot Then I also enjoy having some um, edamame beans. Now edamame beans are a little bit higher in fat, so uh, not to be have had every day. But beans can be have had every day. And uh, in fact, in the blue zones, which Dan Rittner wrote about for National Geographic uh, and explored the world to go and find these blue zones, one of the secrets of longevity for these places is their amount, their intake of um, of beans. And in these societies, some of them like Japan. Okinawa, which used to be better. Um, you know, we're gonna see changes, I think, as we go into the modernization of every part of the world, but also as the young generation might not follow the the suit to the, the older generation. But um a lot of the women don't even have perimenopause, they just go into the second spring as they call it of their life where they just transition. They don't have a period anymore. They don't suffer from any of these things. They eat loads of beans, loads of grains. Whole grains, I put an asterisk there, is really, really important. Don't be fooled by things that are whole grain or wheat flour because the bran is taken out. Other things are taken out to make it last longer. Unless you're having an ancient sprouted grains bread, like the Ezekiel bread, you're not having you shouldn't be touching it it's not whole grain and it's definitely not whole foods because it's been stripped of some things um i also say go to the closest thing to the plant so back wheat, um you can have back wheat in the form of um um like the seed the whole seed you can soak it overnight and you can blend it in the morning after rinsing it and make pancakes from that liquid trust me it does become a pancake and that's really whole grain <laughs> it really is you can have oats cut, uh, st- steel cut, not the porridge one. Um, you can have rice, um, whole rice. Of course, you want to be you know, very careful with rice. You don't want have too much rice because um, there is um, arsenic um, in, in rice, sadly. So you don't want to have too much of that. Uh, quinoa, very good. Um, you can have buckwheat. You can have, um, I said buckwheat, sorry. Uh, you can have... Um, millets you can have you can have so many different kind of grains and just really go as close to the whole grain as you can to the original you know way that you used to eat it so this is really diet then what about hrt before i talk lifestyle and everything what about hormonal replacement therapy quite honestly these things can help and this is where you want to talk to your doctor and really think about all the options test your hormone levels before you take anything and before you decide anything, know what's available to you, go for bioidentical hormones that are not mammal derived like they used to from horses Um, and educate yourself ahead of time and ahead of the meeting with your doctor to understand what are your options. Um, I would say uh, bioidentical hormones obviously are great. And I would say talk, check out the book. I put this in the resource from, Dr. Uh, Christiane Northrop. she wrote a beautiful book that really covers every option you have on HRT so that you can really look into them, go to your doctor, educate it, and see what works best for you. So that is really an option. Look also at food supplements that can help you uh, to regulate your hormones like soy, yams, or murifica, and Vitex. Vitex is something I personally use and um i find it great things like maca i also use which is a adaptogen um i, I put it here as adaptogenic herbs are powerful too um uh, ashwagandha shatavari so all these ayurvedic uh, herbs are fantastic for regulating hormones They adaptogens so they help the body regulate itself they might not always be enough though so hrt can be a great option but be educated before you go to your doctor so that you can really talk about the options and we need to not be afraid of these because especially if you go for bioidentical and not uh, synthetic or you know things that like bioidentical will mostly come from plants (laughs) so they are better than the ones that are coming from mammals mammals or from um, synthetic so check out the options that you have Uh, I'm not an expert in HRT, I'll be honest. I didn't look, I didn't dive deep into this yet because I don't think I need to have them at this moment in time. Having said that, I'm very much aware of the supplements and adaptogens that I can take and that I really can talk about for ages because I, at this point in my life, in my phase, they work. They might not work later. I will have to dive deeper in HRT. But as I said, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to share some information Please go and find it. And the book by Dr. Northrop is fantastic about this lifestyle. So let's communicate. Let's tell our family, our friends, our colleagues, what's going on with our body. Are we going through perimenopause? Are we going through menopause? We don't have to hammer about this all the time, but some education is very important. So they don't think we're not going crazy. If we are feeling in a certain way, and if we are going through that shift, then we're going and we're trying to balance things out, they have to understand what's going on with us. I can tell you that when I went through my cycle of early perimenopause that I threw myself in through poor lifestyle and dietary choices, people didn't understand what was going on with me. They really didn't because I didn't understand what was going on with me. I'm generally not also somebody that likes to communicate too much as in, I don't like to explain things to my family. It's funny because I love to do these educational webinars, but if I have to sit and explain to somebody next to me what's going on, I find it to be exhausting um maybe it depends on the person because for my husband I give him basically lectures about and not in I'm lecturing him but I give him lectures and lessons about all, all that I learned so it's kind of updated to everything with everything that I learned because I share it with him and with he is the only person that I can do this without issues I don't know why um but with other people I, in my family I just oh, I get exhausted I'm like why don't you just know this so uh, I didn't know what was going on with me. So they didn't know what was going on with me. And they were just basically judging me from a place of not understanding, but I can't actually blame them too much because I wasn't understanding too much either. And I wasn't explaining it either. Meditate daily after your communication, make time for yourself. Say I need me time and I need to prioritize me. So meditate daily daily. I say this with an open heart. I meditate and pray daily every morning after I've done my yoga practice slash yoga workouts, which has a little bit of hit, bar, pilates, so a whole blend. Um, because it, it really does give me the opportunity to sit there, talk to God, and and also like talk to him about my dreams that I had or my questions, and I can tell you without fail. Every question I have gets a response, maybe not immediately, but I get an answer. And it makes me feel sane. It makes me feel connected. It makes me feel like I'm part of something bigger, which we are. And I love that feeling. I love that veneration and worshiping of our father because it allows me to feel like I'm better, you know, in a world where we can easily feel unseen that it touches us a little more when we are going through our phases of peri and menopause and when our family doesn't see us, our friends don't see us. And I, I feel that I, I really found that comfort in the most high seeing, seeing me and talking to me and paying attention to what I'm saying. And I'm not there asking for anything. I'm just asking for guidance and confirmation. I love that. Then deal with trauma and feelings. Um, I started opening up about my story in my podcast because that's one of the things that I'm doing regression therapy, but also I'm going so much deeper. I don't want to get too much of this, but I'm going into Akashic records. I'm going into uh, family constellation. I'm basically trying to find out what happened to my life cycles on this planet and really heal that hurt. Every hurt is mostly mine um, and I just happened to be in a family that created some trauma, created some challenges because they're also facing theirs, but also because I needed to learn a lesson. I'm understanding all this now, but at the beginning, I just kept on having this resentful reason, feeling for my mom, for not being a good mother or motherly, uh, for my father, for being quite uh, selfish. I cannot change who they are, but I will also have to take responsibility for how I'm growing from this. So this is what I'm doing now. I also had to kind of, um, and this will go into the next step. I had to stop my relationship with my family because they were, you know, if you're growing and they are not growing in the same direction or same speed, or at this moment it doesn't work. So there's no point in having a relationship that is deterrent for my growth because that's what I'm focusing about now because I have a purpose and um, and turning 40 was such a catalyst for me to go into that. So I love having this uh, time to actually really surround myself with the people that I know are nurturing that growth and um, not being around people that are not, even if I love them. That's the sacrifice sometimes we have to make. Exercise, move and stay supple. Do not become a rigid board. Move your body. Yoga is fantastic for that. And One thing I will say, our workouts have to change because we cannot work out like men. We are women. Uh, And the beauty is that we can't basically force ourselves to work like men, stress our bodies out. We have to find a rhythm that um, will make us feel better. So i realized that as I turned 40, I don't like to work out, um, I don't have to, and like to work out for longer than 20 minutes, 45 minutes when I teach. Why? Because I am, the one hour was just stressing me out, making me feel like I didn't have enough time, but also not serving my body. And now that I work out less, I have less fat on my body, more muscle, and I've noticed lately that I have to start doing some weights. Um, light weights, but at some weights because I'm getting used to my body weight so I'm not challenging as much so I'm going to now have to take it up a notch and so challenging ourselves as we go, but being aware that moving your body in a fluid way, being connected using your body weight a lot because that keeps us supple um, it's a great way to do it and you can really mix things like yoga, pilates, bar they're fantastic for that do some hits so that your cardio goes up and then get some weights in there, which you can get into your flow, into your bar, into your hit, into your um, into your, uh, Pilates. So there are many ways to include uh, extra weights into your practice. So do that. Stop acknowledging your calendar age. So I got this from no- Dr. Northrop, uh, uh old book, um, the Goddesses on Age, I think it's called. But one thing that I like about this is that when we put an age to something, people always judge us. Unconsciously, and um, if we didn't have an age and we could just share wisdom, that's all that matters, right? So I think it's a brilliant thing not to really celebrate big birthdays anymore. Celebrate your life, and you can choose the date of your birthday if you want, but you don't need to celebrate your birthday. Just celebrate your life, your accomplishment, your your next step, like something beautiful to do with that. Then leave toxic relationships behind. Now I just say it's kinda goes together. We surround yourself with people who nurture you, but at a, at a next step is really leave toxic relationships. Like don't leave a door open for those because they somehow always manage to creep in and make you feel anxious and stressed and make you feel less and you really don't need that. And I say, let them just go and it's fine. They, they, they can go, they, they have served that purpose. Maybe they needed to challenge you to grow and so on. Let them go. Um, do not use toxic products. Ah, the times and times again that I see this, um, our cleaning products at home, deodorants in the house, body care, deodorants in our body and so on. Everything that we buy commercially is not serving us and our hormones. They are hormone disrupt endocrine disruptors. They mess up our hormones. They pollute everything. They can cause cancer. I don't even know how some of them are even allowed. Like scented candles. Use essential oils, apple cider vinegar, and water. Trust me, you're gonna be okay. Don't take anything polluting in your house or on your skin. Use only natural skincare for my skin. Uh, I'm using jojoba oil, which is very similar to our sebaceous glands production oil. So very similar to our skin. Um, I mix it with our oils like avocado, argan oil. I mix it so many oils and then I put essential oils in there and I love my skincare. Um, for the body, I use almond oil with different essential oils. I'm honestly happy that i'm spending a lot less and it's doing great i can make my deodorants if i want to otherwise i buy natural ones like salt um stone um deodorant but also i have a course on my website with um naturally that you can do and you can learn how to make your own product so you can check it out on my website levin.com at the shop in the shop and you can really just get the videos and you know do your own thing like do your um um, your 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 program it's it's brilliant that way so um, so make, be sure that you're not putting any toxic products on you and make time for you so do not feel guilty if you need time on your own if you need to do something for yourself to feel better prioritize yourself enjoy int- intimacy with your partner so whether you're with your same man the same man for years or if you have a new partner make time for each other be intimate with each other stimulate each other uh physically as much as mentally and really nurture that because as we get older that really doesn't have to go away i'm learning now that there are women in menopause that are having the best sex of their life it's amazing that's awesome because we always think about that as the end of everything but actually it's the spring of everything so everything is new and i think it really comes with making sure that we're feeling full so that we can enjoy uh the fullness of the relationships as well cleanse cleanses oops sorry guys cleanses are very important so if you have heavy metals in your body cleanse is very very important Uh, you can use zeolite which is very good for binding heavy metals in the digestive system and popping it out bentonite is really good as well for things like uh, parasites Um, chlorella spirulina great for especially chlorella great for heavy metals cilantro is great for heavy metals (laughs) take minerals daily like magnesium selenium zinc silica epsom therapeutics bath salts uh, into your um into your into your bath um they actually really help like silica is really good at binding um, um aluminum so great for getting that out Coffee animals are an option. If you haven't done them before, you could try them or you can learn about them. I learned about them through the Gerson therapy, and I can see now that more and more people are doing them as a support for cleansing the body. Infrared saunas are brilliant, but any means for you to sweat, even if it's not an infrared sauna but just a sauna, sweat, 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 sweat. Liver cleanses really work well if you have a sluggish liver and if you have um, estrogen dominance so that you can cleanse these extra hormones you want out of your body, you can also take something to support your liver like milk thistle every day. It is great. So really cleanse your body and check out a cleansing, like a practitioner that does cleansing protocols. Uh, maybe compare them two or three, see how they go and see if they include all this. You can also do intravenous um. Um, ozone which uh, gives more oxygen to your blood cells regenerating them remember oxygen is one of the things that nourishes your mitochondria so not a bad thing creating more energy if you are creating more energy of course you're also stimulating your um, uh, your body I forgot to say something when we talked about diet actually that I think is really really important um, it's really key here to to do um, sorry, I should have had it open after the recording stop. Um, to do a intermediate fasting. Why? Because fasting really helps with, with uh, insulin resistance. So going between six o'clock at night until the next morning, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, it would be ideal, okay? Not eating when you wake up and also be calorie responsible means, and I don't want you to count calories, but you don't have to have three meals a day. And if you're a snacker, that needs to stop snacking does not serve you your mitochondria needs to have the time to use the energy you put in your body before take a break after you take a break the 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 cells can also regenerate and expel toxins if you keep on bringing food into your body they're just not gonna have the time to do it so trust me when i say fasting it's a good thing okay sleep very important seven to eight hours a night And be consistent with your schedule. If you are someone that goes to to bed at 10 o'clock, it's 10 o'clock. And try to wake up at the same time, unless you want to have a line sometimes, but try to be consistent because that really does help you um, with your circadian rhythm. Avoiding caffeine after 12 p.m., if not at all. Uh, Considering tryptophan and melatonin to support your sleep, but remember that you should just really... Make sure that you ha- that you, you can naturally sleep as much as you can, obviously by uh, looking at your environment, so your bi- environmental um, hygiene in your room. But uh, you can take things like tryptophan, melatonin that help. Magnesium also helps, especially if you're feeling um, nervous. Magnesium is a relaxant. Wake up with the light. If you're somewhere where the light only comes up <laughs> 8 o'clock in the morning, um, consider devices like Lumi. The Lumi clocks um, kind of have they, they don't just blast, you know, noise that wakes you up a bed in like, in a in a, in a in a frenzy, but they slowly start to have light come up and you wake up with light and then you can have sounds like chirping birds and water, whatever. So it's very soft and much less stressful than an alarm clock and make your room comfortable. And so when I talk about sleep hygiene, we're talking about darkness, make it super dark Um, So no devices in there, no uh, blue lights after uh, two hours before you go to bed. Make sure that you don't have um, EMF around. So take out your Wi-Fi if it's close to your room. Um, Take out your phones out of the room. You can put them uh, outside the room for an emergency maybe, but you keep them outside the room just for calls. So maybe you can take your Wi-Fi off. Um, you um, You can also unplug if you're really sensitive to energy, to electric magnetic fields, you can unplug everything from the wall and even take off the electricity in your room. Uh, Sometimes the room has a a switch for it separately from the rest of the house. So you could do that. Um, Temperature is really important. If you're somebody that loves heaters in the house during the day, I don't blame you, but at night you wanna have them off and you wanna have a room temperature of 17 degrees and then really just enjoy a nice duvet because that makes a huge difference in your quality of sleep, whether you're going to perimenopause and menopause or not. So very very important. So yeah, those are the things that I think. And if you have have noisy neighbors, maybe have a chat with them. Um, Thoughts detox, this is so important because mind over matter, negative mental chatter amplifies, it amplifies during perimenopause and menopause. So you wanna make sure that that chatter is not there. This is something that you can really tackle with meditation. And as you do meditation, you practice your daily affirmations, which are positive. You give yourself a mental and physical high five in the mirror that really, really helps because you want to see yourself doing it, like give yourself a high five and just I've done this. I've done my yoga. Yes, I've done my meditation. Yes, I've achieved this. Yes, I dropped the kids at school. Yes, you know, do something that makes you feel good about what you're doing. Compliment yourself as soon as you wake up in the mirror, say your name. Chantal, today you look beautiful take that compliment enjoy it you know what you're gonna start seeing yourself in a different light as over time might not work the first time if you're like oh my gosh i look tired look at my bags under my eyes that can go away slowly if you just start looking at yourself and think i look beautiful why not and i said it before i meditating really really helps so something to do here i put the dose job uh supplements that you should have i'm gonna link um the presentation so you can have access to this but basically go through the list see how much you need per day and really consider taking them Quite a lot right and then the resources so the wisdom of menopause by dr christian Orthrop. dr marisa schneider actually has a hormonal relief summit which i highly 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 recommend she interviews different doctors and talk about the importance of different sites. now she's somebody that really um kind of pushes the i'm guessing a ketogenic approach right no carbs um uh, i don't necessarily agree with that per se uh, I do agree that we want to keep some uh, carbohydrates that are ref- not, we want to keep all refined carbohydrates out. We want to make sure that we don't, you know, have insulin resistance. But, and this is why I put the mastering diabetes because you want to learn, learn two things, learn different things and try them. I think that's really the best way to go about it because uh, this is what I did. Um, you don't have to trust me. I, there are, there's a lot of research. There's so much research about um, how our insulin resistance can be tackled by a wholesome plant-based diet. And so research is there. I trust the science in that. And I I experimented and find it to be the case for me, but you have to read yourself. So the Hormone Relief Summit, however, is brilliant. And you'll find some information, nutritional information there, and you can then check the others and think about it. Uh, Dr. Brenda Davis, as I said, she has amazing information on her website. And I mean... She doesn't delve too much into uh, hormonal changes, although she's in the age, I think, to almost be in menopause. So um, I'm sure she, if you have any questions, she might be able to answer. There's a beautiful book that is called The Perimenopause Solution by Dr. Shazari Harper and Emma Bardwell, who I, which I think is such a great read. It's like a Bible for health and it really helps us navigate. And I bought it because I found it to be helpful for me. Um, dr will Bolsovitz uh, talks about the gut and gut health and fiber so very very important information right there uh, i put some other um dr anna kabega lara bryden michelle sands they all talk about hormone balance and i think they're great resources uh silata journey is a great meditation app that is made for women by women so perfect for for us boho beautiful has got amazing yoga and meditation um if you want to do things online from home if you're not going to a class And then Maylan Marit, Sound and Meditation Healing, she's angelic in her voice. And I absolutely think if you are feeling stressful and you put her music on, it will melt away like magic. So that, guys, that's it. I really hope that um, that this was helpful and you found it to really help you uh, navigate this period in your life, which I think we need to appreciate and love because it's beautiful as we are. Um, if we know how to navigate it. It can be terrible if we don't, and I experienced the terrible side, but the lesson I learned from it allows me to share this now, to be confident about what I'm saying about it, um, and being open to learning more and more and more as we go. I am excited, you know? I'm excited about this new journey. I'm, I'm turning 41 next month, and I'm actually quite happy. I feel youthful, I feel energetic, I'm the best shape of my life. I feel like, Yeah, I feel great. So I hope that I want to really feel that everybody feels the same, but I I work at it. You know, I take full responsibility of the work that needs to go into my body. Meaning I don't drink, I don't eat crap. I don't have processed food. I just fuel my body with the best food possible because ultimately if you call it a sacrifice, I don't because I love the taste of everything I'm eating, but the outcome, it makes my life so much better. I'm happier, I have energy, I'm not overweight, I don't have the symptoms I used to have. To me, that is revolutionary. Like, I I cannot tell you how shitty I was feeling. So, okay. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me. All the show notes are down. And if you wanna just, you know, chat, give me a shout. Bye.